Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From today's psalm, oh how good and pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. A Christian missionary once asked Gandhi what he thought about Jesus, and I thought his response was kind of funny. I am extremely fond of Christ, he said. I just don't like all his followers. Henry Noun said something similar when asked what he considered to be the hardest thing about living in a monastic community. Oh, that's easy. The hardest thing by far is other people. Now, we know from experience that relationships can be hard and that being a Christian doesn't magically solve our relational problems In fact, it seems to be somewhat of a universal law that our sharpest disagreements happen in the context of our closest relationships. If a co-worker makes a mistake, we can be so quick to offer grace. But if our spouse leaves out the milk, this then becomes the grounds for World War III. Or maybe a fellow Episcopalian espouses a theological or political idea we find to be unpalatable, I then get a call and you ask me if we practice excommunication, and if so, how to initiate the paperwork. But if a Baptist makes the same comment, we may let it go without so much as a shrug. It's often within the family, whether it's our biological family or our church family, but Often within our family is difference experienced to be the most trying. And from the beginning, this has actually always been the case. Consider the first story that the Bible tells about siblings. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel fight over who it is that God loves more. And it costs Abel his life. And then there's today's reading from Genesis, when Joseph reveals his true identity to his brothers. But do you remember the backstory? He was a much better dresser than his other brothers, and out of jealousy, they beat him up and they sold him into slavery. In other words, the Bible tells the story of siblings who are at odds with one another, And in doing so, it tells the story of life in our fallen world. And so here's the question I would invite us to consider this morning. As a people baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as a kingdom of priests who have been set aside to serve the living God, to borrow that great imagery from the book of Revelation, What does it mean for us, as God's holy people, to embody a new story, 
a story of grace, a story of hope, a story of unity. And I believe that today's psalm gives us a pretty good answer to that question. Oh, how good and pleasant it is, the psalmist writes, when brethren live together in unity. It is like fine oil upon the head that runs down upon the beard, upon the beard of Aaron, and that runs down upon the collar of his robe. Now, this image of an oil-covered Aaron probably needs a little explanation. It is an allusion to Exodus 29, where very specific instructions on how to ordain Aaron as the very first high priest are recorded. And apparently, in ancient Israel, ordination meant covering the new priest in oil from head to toe. Oil is a sign of grace. It's a sign of blessing. It's a sign of priestly authority. And note, this symbol is still very much a part of our practice. But the difference, of course, is the quantity. For instance, whenever I baptize a little child, I take a little oil and I make the sign of the cross on his or her forehead. But back in the day, the custom was to drench the new priest in oil. And so in the Bible, symbolically speaking, to look at a person and to see them drenched in oil from head to toe is, in essence, to see a priest, someone set apart for the service and worship of God. Now, you may be wondering, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with the people in my life who I find very irritating and difficult? I'm not a priest. They're not a priest. But, of course, the point of my sermon today is that you are a priest and that in the body of Christ that so is everyone else. You might not be an ordained Episcopal priest with a call to administer the sacraments. At St. Michael's, that's myself and Elizabeth, Minerva, and Hope. And, of course, we really need to maintain that very important distinction. But what I don't want to lose is what the Bible calls the priesthood of all believers. Because every single Christian is given the priestly task by God of living a life that bears witness to this new story that God is writing. A story of grace, a story of hope, a story of unity. In the words of 1 Peter 2.9, Do not forget, my beloved, that you are a chosen people, a special possession, and a royal priesthood. My beloved, he says, do not forget that you are a royal priesthood. And for me, this act of remembering the priestly call of every Christian begins with a very simple affirmation, a very simple affirmation, which is that we are all part of one family, a family that God has already reconciled to himself through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Joseph and his brothers are part of one family. The disciples and the Canaanite woman are part of one family. You and your rival are part of one family. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it, what determines our brotherhood is who we are by virtue of Christ. Our community with one another is based solely on what Christ has done for each and every one of us. And so here's what I'd like for you to consider this morning. I want you to picture someone in your life with whom you're having a hard time. Just choose one person. Now consider... What if the first thing you saw about that person, the first thing you felt, wasn't what made him or her different, or what made him or her irritating, wasn't what he or she did wrong, or the way that he or she hurt you, but what if the first thing you saw, the first thing you chose to see, was the reality of their anointing? People look very different when we look at them through the lens of grace. And I believe that the priestly task is to look at people through this lens. And it's not enough to see just a little oil on our brothers and sisters. But as the psalm says, it's been poured out over their head. It flows down their face. It's soaking their clothing. They're covered in oil. Now, I know your objection, it's the objection of every human heart. A lot of people do really bad things. A lot of people have hurt me. You want me to look at them through the lens of grace and just let them off the hook? And my answer to that question is yes, I do. And I'll unapologetically remind all of us that this is precisely what God has done for us. God has forgiven our sins. God has let us off the hook. Because the truth is, whatever hook we hold, it was never ours to begin with. And as the Bible says, God alone is a just judge. And here's the thing, I know how tempting it is to think otherwise. How tempting it is to believe that the world would be better if someone else would go ahead and change. But I also know that if we are really interested in making a contribution to the unity of our world, then we have to start by admitting that the biggest change that needs to happen is inside our own heart. And to say with a fearless truthfulness before God that I am the biggest obstacle to the unity that both God and I want to see happen in this world. And if that doesn't make sense, I get it. I get it. But just for fun, I want you to consider and entertain the following scenario. A man goes to the doctor and he says, doctor, these are my symptoms. And the doctor says, okay, that's really bad, but I know exactly what this is. This is very serious, but the good news is it can be treated and I have a cure. And so what I'm going to do 
is I'm going to write you a prescription, and I want you to be very diligent and to make sure that you give these pills to your neighbor. And if your neighbor takes all the medicine, I promise you'll get better. Now, that would obviously be absurd. If I'm the one who's sick, I need the medicine. And the great wisdom of Scripture is that the same is always true with relational sickness. When I'm sick with anger, I need the medicine of insight. When I'm sick with unforgiveness, I need the medicine of grace. When I'm sick with fear, I need the medicine of love. In other words, if I'm really struggling with someone, I'm the one who needs to see them as God says they are in Christ. A royal priesthood, covered in oil, showered with grace, forgiven and free, a brother or sister, a member of my own family. Because we believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And because of that, that grace abounds. It's on your head, it's running down your face, it's all over your clothes, it's on your neighbor's clothes, it's on your enemy's clothes. We're all very different, and God knows that we are deeply flawed and that we hurt each other. But God in Christ has made us a family. And every last one of us is covered in oil. To see people through this lens is the very first step in allowing God to write a new story in our life and a new story in this world. And it's a story of grace. It's a story of hope. It's a story of unity. Amen.